In this episode, I read your comments and your opinions about the golf ball rollback rule, as well as sharing my own opinions about the new rule. And I have a wonderful conversation with a Titleist representative, Julian Taylor. He's going to share his thoughts from a Titleist perspective on the golf ball rollback rule. And he's going to talk about all the great equipment that Titleist is coming out with in 2024. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Go Forth and Golf Podcast, where you can listen to everything related to the game of golf. Golf tips to help you improve your golf game, entertaining interviews, discussions about the latest in golf equipment, and so much more. Now, here is your host, PGA professional, Steve Goforth. Are doing well since the last time you heard my voice and that your golf game is improving that's the whole point of this right to enjoy it number one but to keep improving so again thank you so much for your support and coming back to the podcast for this episode today i have a very interesting conversation with titleist representative julian taylor julian has been with titleist for so many years if you are a committed listener of the podcast you've heard julian on past episodes and he is back again with some more great info about some of the new wedges that Titleist have come out with this year. Uh, and if you don't know this already and you, you've listened to the past podcasts, you should be. Wedges are extremely important to your golf game. They're vital weapons in your golf bag that's going to help you shoot low scores out there. So you definitely want to listen to what Titleist has to say about their new wedges. Also some changes to their golf balls. Uh, the Cameron putters, Scotty Cameron putters, some changes there as well. And those new T-Series irons they come out with back in the fall that he's going to talk about and remind you about as well. So again, great conversation that I had with Julian. I know you'll enjoy it. So if you follow on social media, again, at GoForthGolf, TikTok, Instagram, X, and then GoForthGolf Instruction on Facebook, you saw the video I put out there since the last podcast about the golf ball rollback rule. And I asked your opinion on it and what do you think about it. And I got some really good comments. So before I dive into those comments, I'm going to give you my two cents worth on this. So when I first heard about it, I was like, are you kidding me right now? I cannot believe they are rolling this golf ball back because, you know, the game's hard enough as it is. The game is growing. The last thing we want to do is hinder someone from getting better or make this game any tougher or, you know, I guess scare away somebody from playing the game of golf because of this rollback. And then the more I got thinking about it, I let it sit for a little bit and uh, just started thinking the significance of this rollback, in my opinion, I don't think will be severe. I don't think it's going to be enough to where the novice golfer is going to be able to tell a huge difference maybe five to 10. And some of you may, may be saying, look, I need every yard I can get. I get it. Um, but I, I don't think it's going to be as significant as we think it will be. Now on the PGA Tour or for your better amateur golfers, your your single digit, your scratch golfers, uh, of course, your professionals, I think that um, I think we will see a little bit of a difference there. I think that 
you know, it could be anywhere from 10 to 20 yards. And, uh, but again, I think it's a matter of taking one extra club into the green possibly, but, uh, I, I get it. I know why they're doing it because obviously there's restrictions on how much golf courses can expand because, you know, you're going to hear Julian talk about it. Listen to his take at the end of the interview. Uh, he, he gives a really good, gives really good insight on, you know, how he thinks it's going to affect things. And uh, I think you may be surprised to hear him say what he does. But, you know, I, I think that something does need to be done to help um, offset technology that has tremendously advanced over the years. The forgiveness, the distance that we get from our golf equipment, how we've changed as people, how we are conditioning ourselves better, and especially the touring professionals. Uh, it's a different game than it was back when Honor Palmer and Jack Nicklaus and Chichi Rodriguez and Lee Trevino and all those guys played the game, right? I mean, it's even when Tiger first started, we've advanced. Everything has advanced um, biologically and, again, from the equipment standpoint. So something something has to change in order to make things interesting. Me personally, I would love to see them make golf courses harder in terms of raising the rough, make the rough taller. Make golf course conditions way more challenging, not just lengthwise, but outside the fairways. I think that in itself would help lower some scores or challenge these guys and how they place the ball in the fairway or around the greens. I would like to see that more so than I would a golf ball rollback. Um, this is going to sound like a cop-out answer, and I really don't mean for it to sound that way, but I'm, I'm a little on the fence on it. I, I am, and I've... And I, uh, I see both sides. I see the fact that we need it, and I see the fact that we don't need it. Um, I think if I had to choose a side right this second, I would choose uh, to not roll it back. I would choose to leave things alone. Let's find other ways that we can change the game. I don't want to hinder golfers from improving their game. and I, And I see that distance is a challenge for amateur golfers, especially all my students that I teach. Almost all of them have had issues with distance at some point in time. So I would say no, but again, I do see the USGA side of this and why they think that this needs to happen. You know, only time's going to tell whether or not this was a good move or not, and I guess it's something that could, it could be changed down the road if it's not. Uh, some people say that um, having one ball for the pros and one ball for the amateurs is the way to go. You know, I, I don't see any issues with that other than the fact that we kind of pride ourselves on playing as amateurs and playing as pros, and it's an equal playing field. And there's no other sport that really does that, you know, and I think that's what make, makes golf unique. But that's my two cents worth. I'm going to share some of the feedback I got from you guys First one coming from Ryan, he says, A change seems logical. It's difficult to make the holes long enough to keep pace with the technology and athleticism of the modern PGA Tour Pro. I enjoy watching difficult course setups that challenge all aspects of the game. I think Ryan and I are on the same page there. Uh, I agree with you there 100%, Ryan. Mike says, Rolling the golf ball back is stupid. Most golfers can't get to 250 off the tee. Now they will be lucky to get past 200 to 220. Uh, he says there has been uh, like a 2% improvement 
and the world average golf scores over the last 50 years. It's not needed. Then he went back, he come back and recommented, and it says he was a little bit off. In 1991, the average handicap was 16. It's now 14. So only two shots improvement in 32 years. Well, that's an 11% improvement. It's really not that much. So, yeah, Mike, I get it 100% there. I mean, um, you know, not really any reason to, going by these statistics that you shared, really not a reason to, to roll the ball back. I mean, we're, we're seeing an 11% improvement going by your numbers there uh, since 1991. Yeah, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? Uh, Mark, Mark went on to say, agree that something needed to be done. The courses cannot be changed and have become too short for the pros. Watching these pros hit driver and wedge all tournament long is boring. They can limit them to four clubs, and the scores wouldn't change. Yeah, you know, like I said, I think that, you know, challenging them, having that extra club in their hand would definitely make things interesting. For them, it could be a difference of a, a seven iron rather than an eight iron. Regardless, we're, we're getting, getting them to hit more club into the green. I think that would be more interesting for sure. Uh, finally, Mike says, my thoughts on the rollback. Uh, as a low handicap amateur, I don't know if I will see any difference. For the pros, 10 to 15 yards means having half a club difference in their game. Instead of a gap wedge, they may have a pitching wedge. With the pros' skills, it might be a good change. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think if we're putting different clubs in the, in the touring professional's hand more than uh, or, or clubs that they're not used to, I, I think it could be interesting. Could we see greens in regulation? that number go down possibly could we see fairways hit being changed because they are taking a different approach to the fairway due to the lack of distance maybe they're cutting the ball drawing the ball maybe they're trying to get an extra roll out of it and drawing it a little bit more and is that going to you know put them out of play more who knows but uh i think that regardless of of your opinion on this whether you're for it or against it I think it uh, it can't be argued that it's going to definitely uh, make things very interesting for the game of golf. And we're not looking at this, this change happening for what? I think it was, what, 2028 or something like that? 2029, 2030 at the latest. So we got some time. And again, please make sure you, you listen to my conversation with Julian from Titleist. Give his thoughts and opinions on this towards the end of our conversation. Thank you guys so very much for interacting and for leaving those comments. Please, again, look out for more topics that I'm going to post on social media. I got more stuff coming. Again, I'm going to be doing this all year long because I want you guys to be thinking about different things that I put out there, just thought provoking topics that gets you energized, gets you talking, gets you thinking, and gets you excited. So, thank you guys so very much for your interaction. So, without further ado, I'm going to bring in Julian Taylor, representative, longtime representative of Titleist Golf, to talk everything you need to know about the new products they have coming out in 2024. Oh, he got all of that one. Julian, welcome to the podcast. Uh, you've been a multiple-time guest here on the podcast, and uh, I really, really appreciate you doing this again. How are you? I'm doing great. It's great to hear from you and uh, looking forward to it. I appreciate that. So Tidelist has some new product out in 2024. Uh, of course, you guys come out with your T-Series irons in the fall of 23 since the last time you and I spoke. 
Do you guys have some new wedges, some new golf balls coming out, some new putters from Scotty Cameron? Talk to me about the new stuff you guys come have coming out this year. I believe the wedges. Let's start with that. I believe the wedges come out in March, correct? Exactly. Yeah. So we've got the new SM10 model, uh, next generation Vokies, which, as you know, Vokie brand is pretty well established. Number one on tour, number one in the marketplace. Um, and so we don't reinvent it each, each, every couple of years, but we try to refine some things. You know, Bob Vokey likes to say he has the greatest laboratory in the world, the PGA Tour, where he gets his feedback. And the, the things they, they tell us on tour, we try to bring to marketplace through just some subtle changes, improvements to the, the grinds. Uh, and then also, you know, re, really the, the main thrust of this year's was we made a little cosmetic change where we kind of straightened the leading edge of the blade and then also um, internally moved some weight around to, to optimize it. You know, like I like Paul Azinger always likes to say that the, the pros like to hit their wedges uh, low and their long irons high and amateurs hit their long irons low and their uh, short irons high. <laughs> and, exactly. Uh, so we're trying to get, you know, optimal, you know, launch conditions. The pros like it to be a, a more direct shot that they can control the, the trajectory and the spin better if we've got the weight in the right place. Yeah, no doubt. Tell me about the leading edge. What did you guys do that leading edge? Yeah, just honestly, it was just kind of a cosmetic thing that um, the, the two cosmetic things we did actually was over the years, we just say, for instance, the in the 56 degree, which would be a standard sandwich. We have four different offerings in there. And they didn't all come about at the same time. We might have had two and then added one and then another year added another. But we've got four right now. But each one of those might have had subtle differences to them uh, cosmetically when, you, when the player looks down at the club. And what we wanted to do to make them more uniform. And so when you look at four different wedges, the four wedges with the different bounce and grinds on them, when you look down from the playing position, they should look identical. And that, and that was an idea just to make them more consistent looking. And then the other was just to straighten the leading edge, which we think is a little, makes it better for a little bit of alignment purposes. Nice. Well, how many, how many bounce options do you guys have? It looks like you guys have the SM10 raw and then the jet black, then you got the nickel and the tour chrome. So they got four different finishes to choose from. How many bounce options are you going to have in each one? Yeah, so it, it varies. Um, in the longer clubs, the 46, 48, and 50, those are all what we call F-grind, which is a full sole, just like it was, so it would match up with your irons. Typically, those are fairway clubs, and we want them to have that type of bounce to them. Um, but I think overall, Steve, it's about seven different grinds, and not all wedges are offered in the same grinds. But, um, you know, particularly the 56 and 60, we like to have a lot of variability. So I think the 60 actually has five different grinds. The 56 has four different grinds. And um, it's pretty interesting stuff. And you and I have talked about, you know, getting demo wedges in where guys can hit them side by side because yeah. you, can re you can read about them and talk about them. But once you hit them, you know the difference in the grinds. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. What we did at Cross Creek is, you know, we got that great uh, demo bag from you guys, and we created a little guide that we attached to the bag, and we just laminated them. And basically, each page had the description of each grind. So the golfer would come into the shop, 
look at that at that guide that we attached to the bag and kind of figure and read the description and kind of figure out and we of course we were there to help them which which grind would best suit them and then what was nice is they could take that out to the course and try one or two different grinds based on the description to see if that helped them improve their game where it suited their swing the best and that was extremely effective i mean we sold a lot of wedges in our shop just because number one having the demos and number two just having that description there with the bag in case we happen not to be there and the golfer could just you know pick it up and and read it for themselves so anybody listening where you're another pro at, a, at another course highly suggest a demo bag because you're actually going to put it in their hand take it out there on the course and I've, I've used them in my lessons as well in certain scenarios where there is a um a firm lie or a fluffy lie etc exactly yeah we it, it, uh, the wedges it's an area that that we really try hard we spend a lot of time and effort like on our websites to educate people and let them read them and and at least even before they get to the golf shop they can get a little feel for what they're looking for um but it i, I always say you know if i want to improve a guy's golf game i think getting the right wedges would be the quickest way other than practicing an hour a day on the putting green and practicing and you know and uh and beating a lot of golf balls but we all miss you know anywhere from you know if there's 18 greens we'll miss six or eight or ten of them and so you better have the right tools in the toolbox to uh to uh, get get it up and down and save your score yeah, I couldn't agree with you more on that. I mean, I've run across a lot of students that have not had enough wedges in their bag. Maybe they just bought a stock set, had a, a club in there with the S on the bottom of it, and that's all they have. You know, they're missing a gap wedge or a 5250. They're missing a, a 56 or a 60. And uh, so, yeah, I know that, that having – educating them about the, the gapping in the wedges has been huge as well. And, and yeah, you got to have the right tools around the green. I mean, we're not going to be perfect. We're not going to hit every green. You got, like you said, you said it perfectly. You got to have the weapons in order to attack that pin and get up and down. Right. Right. Yeah. And you make a good point. You know, the, we, we look at the wedges, there's, there's the gap fitting where that's making sure you have the proper distances between clubs. And so often nowadays, uh, different manufacturers offer their nine iron or pitching wedge, at, at different lofts and so maybe the maybe your your pitching wedge of your of your irons are now 43 degrees well we would like you to have maybe a four or five degree uh, gap at the most between your next club so maybe you need a 48 or 49 and then you maybe need a 54 and then maybe a 58 or 60 um right. to, so, so that the idea being and i think years ago the pros started doing it and they tell me justin thomas carries about uh, four or five wedges with him on on the tour with him based on where he's playing you know how many of the par fives he's gonna have to lay up on how many of the uh, uh, what type of sand conditions they are and so uh, I'd love for everybody to have six different wedges but that's not necessarily that's not necessarily practical right. but uh, but certainly a little education could go a long way to narrow those gaps and then find out you know what your turf conditions are and what your sand conditions are fluffy sand versus hard sand you know i play at musgrove mill and we have we have what we call the you know the there's bunkers and then there's also just waste areas and typically they're very firm and so that's that's a whole different wedge game than maybe you might need at greenville country club or or at cross creek but maybe you have fluffy bunkers and uh so just just food for thought to consider when a guy goes out and starts 
you know, trying to figure out what clubs, what wedges he needs in his bag. Yeah, I think you and I talked about that last year where uh, we know some players that have a different set of wedges um, depending on what course they're going to play. They may play a course with tighter lies or fluffier lies, whatnot, and the time of the season too. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. I mean, if you've got, if it's within your budget and you can go out there and get two <laughs> different sets of wedges, do it because uh, whatever's going to be beneficial for you in those playing conditions. Right, right. So question for you on the wedges, you know, explain the rust factor. I've gotten that question over the years and, um, and some people think, oh my gosh, this thing is rusting. Uh, you know, what am I going to do? But that's a good thing. Do you guys, right. which, which wedge do you guys have in the line that's going to, they're going to give that, it's going to give the golfer that, uh, that rust factor and then explain what that does, uh, to the golf ball. Yeah. I mean, so basically all, all of our wedges, uh, all of the 54 to 60 have the same groove. Uh, configuration so no changes in the grooves however that finish is going to have play a little bit of difference to it and to your point about rusty um, that is uh, in our raw grind and in our black grind as a that club wears uh, or excuse me black finish it will also accumulate rust and it's it's just kind of simple physics that if you have friction, uh, you know, more friction you can create, the more grab you're going to get on the golf ball. Right. And so uh, we still believe, you know, the, the proper grooves. And we actually have uh, a, 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 that's the best word I could say. Our surface has already been roughed up through a, through a milling process that gives you the grooves as well as the rough surface. So we feel like you're going to get 99% of the bit of the spin you're going to get based on how we build the clubs. But, there is a certain, um, I don't know, kind of a fashionable thing that guys see uh, guys on tour with rusty ones and so on, and then they, they want them. So there may be a little bit of spin fat improvement to it, but there also might be a little bit of myth, myth to that as well. Uh, yeah. where, it came, where it came about for us was when Boki would be out there on the tour, he'd, he would uh, grind a wedge, and Justin Thomas would go hit it, and he'd come back and say, oh, take a little bit off of here, or or do this or do that. And then he would get the, then go hit it some more. And then it would evolve until finally he got exactly where he wanted it. And then Voki would say, okay, I'm going to make you three more of these and I'll send them to your house and you can test them when you get home in three weeks. And because you have to send them off and get them chromed. And inevitably the pros would say, no, 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 I want it right now. I want it right now. So then it became kind of a thing on tour that a lot of the pros, not all of them, use the the, the raw grind or rusty. Um, the, the the good part about it is, yes, it causes some friction and it causes uh, maybe a little more spin initially. But without having that finish on it, the grooves will will wear quicker. And so the edges of the grooves may be a little shade sharper when when they're raw. But uh, you go hit you know a hundred bunker shots, and that wedge is going to wear out quicker than the chrome wedge if that makes sense. It makes total sense. You yeah. guys have a uh, wedge selector tool on the website. So go to Titleist.com, go to the club section, go to wedges, and you'll see the Vokey SMT wedge selector tool on there. Highly suggest that it'll help you navigate you towards the best wedges for your game. Let's talk about golf balls. You guys have not made changes to the Pro V1, Pro V1X in 2024. However, you guys have a new AVX golf ball out, which I, I think is a fantastic golf ball. And I think, honestly, I feel like it's a golf ball. You may disagree with this, but I feel like it's a golf ball that's overlooked by a lot of good players. They get so focused on Pro V1, Pro V1X. 
man, that, that AVX is a great golf ball. Talk <laughs> about that. Yeah, well, you're exactly right. And, and uh, you know, we talk a lot about life cycles of products and so on. And um, that was a product we introduced, I want to say, six years ago. So this will yeah. be the third generation of it. And for the first two generations, or for, for, let's see, 18 to 20 and then 20 to 22. In the summer of 22, we started seeing a lot of folks going to that golf ball. And I, to your point, I think it was somewhat overlooked. I think there was some confusion. You know, we have to be careful when we bring out products that we want to have a golf ball for every for every player. And each golf ball has to have a purpose and an identity. And I think it was a little confusing when we came out with you had Pro V1, Pro VX, AVX. And I think there was confusion. Also came out, you know, like in the heat of COVID. And we really didn't get the word out there, I don't think. But people are catching on. And basically, Steve, it's a lower compression golf ball with very similar characteristics and and construction as Pro V1. Uh, however, it's a lower compression, so it's going to feel softer. It's going to be a little lower spinning, particularly on the driver and the, the longer irons. And so what that translates to is if you're a golfer that counts on roll on your drive, you're probably going to hit a little further. But where we see the big difference is um, with the reduced spin on the long irons, the four, five, six, seven, eight iron, uh, the, the, your ball will carry and release just a little bit. And most people will claim they get about an, uh, uh, one club um, advantage with that club, where they're hitting a seven iron, where they would have to have it at six with some other golf balls. And so I, I would just encourage people, like I do always, is, is to take it out and compare it with the ball you're currently playing and go to some very f- familiar shots, some familiar yardages, or your favorite par three that's a seven iron, and hit a couple of each side by side. Um, and, and see what you come up with. But because we, like I said, we feel like there's a golf ball for everybody. The changes for that golf ball this year were we've kept the spin low in the, in, in the long clubs where we t- where I talked about. However, on the shorter clubs, we've improved it. So on your chipping and putting, it's even better. And I won't claim it's a Pro V, but it's, it's getting better and closer. Um, but a little lower compression. And then also, uh, we did kind of reposition it this year where it's going to be a, at retail, it's going to be a, about five to eight dollars less expensive than say pro v's oh okay nice so when yeah. you say you improved it with the wedges is that ball going to check better with the wedge around the green exactly okay yeah gotcha. and so and there's always that there's always that push between uh low spin off the long clubs but high spin off the short clubs and you want to maximize that out right um but i, I think that the first thing a guy's going to find is it's going to be a little softer feeling off the driver and off all of his clubs than say a pro v or pro v one x um gonna be a little because it's a little lower spin it's gonna have a flat flatter more boring trajectory yeah yeah so basically the the golfer that's looking for that low ball flight that low spin avx is the golf ball but you guys have improved the soft feel and that control around the greens right right nice and and again, I, I encourage experimentation. And to your point, we have a lot of education on the website. Yeah. Um, and then also last year, we started a new program where I have a um, last year. I had a Clemson intern with me and he traveled to I want to say he made about 50 or 60 locations around the upstate uh, where he'll he'll be on the first tier, or the 10th tier, or the driving range sampling golf balls. So I would just encourage 
probably starting May 15th, June 1st through uh, early August. He'll be all around the upstate handing out golf balls. So I would encourage the guys to uh, ask him, ask him or her any questions you have and, and get a little sample of things. If you're, if you're currently playing one of our balls, maybe try the other one or, or ask them for a sample of both. And um, it's just fun. You know, we're all, all golfers, whether it's tour level or, or the high handicappers, we're all trying to get better and we're all searching and uh, cause nobody's perfected it yet. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Yeah. I'd like to get him set up to come to cross Creek. That would be great if we could do that. That, that'll be perfect. He'll be, he'll probably get after uh, about May 15th through August 15th. He'll be hitting all the, all the golf courses here in the upstate and nice. would love, love to get your golfers to, to try something new or, you know, ask them for a sample of, of a couple of golf balls and compare. Cause uh, like I said, we're all, we're all trying to uh, find a little edge. Yeah, no doubt about it. So moving on to the uh, tour soft. You guys have made some adjustments on that one, correct? Looks like you guys put a, a new alignment aid on that. Was that on last year's or last series golf ball or last generation golf ball? Have y'all made a change on that? That is new, and that's a yeah. that's a big that's a, that's something that over the last you know four or five years more requests for alignment aids, and so um, almost all of our golf balls have some type of alignment. Maybe the the Pro V's has a little less than others. But all of them have some type of uh, alignment on them now, um, which is, like I said, we're getting more and more requests for it. Um, a lot of the new putters have extended lines with the mallet heads and so on. And so it's real easy to match them up. And, uh, you know, it, it's particularly on short putts, you know, alignment's half the battle. If you get it aligned correctly and, and just make a decent stroke, you know, you got a four and a half inch hole for it to roll into. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, one of the big things there was we, if you recall last year, we had a tour soft and a tour speed golf ball. And we felt like maybe we confused the marketplace a little bit. So we eliminated the tour speed and, but we took some of the attributes from it with the softer cover uh, and a little lower compression uh, and put that into the new tour soft. All right, let's move on to the T series irons. Again, these came out in the fall. Uh, so some golfers listening may have already, uh, read up on the specs uh, on these irons, but, but talk about the T series, you know, how they bettered from the previous series and, and how it can be an advantage to, to golfers out there looking to make that switch to a new set of irons. Hi, I'm Betsy Exton, owner of Pure Health and Wellness. If you want to take control of your health and feel amazing, I encourage you to check out Pure Health and Wellness. We have two locations, one downtown Greenville. It's called Pure on Main across the street from the Hyatt. The other location is on Cannon Street and beautiful downtown Greer. Pure Health and Wellness provides you essential services and products, allowing you to live a healthier, more fulfilling life. We are one of the most exclusive and unique health and wellness centers in the upstate, and we've been nominated for Greenville's Best for over eight consecutive years. Do you want to increase your endurance, increase your mobility, get rid of joint pain, and have a better golf game? My staff and I can help you. Our stores are filled with beneficial items for your body and soul. Our services include massage therapy, ionic foot detoxes, colon hydrotherapy, wellness consulting, saunas, and body wraps. We are dedicated to help provide the best service for our community. Please give us a call and allow us to recommend the top of the line products and services that are results driven for your golf game. 
Steve gets all his wellness supplements from us and it's made a huge positive impact in his life. Visit our website at pureonmain.com to learn more about our products and services. So what are you waiting for? Start living happier and healthier at Pure on Main and Pure Wellness Spa. We are a proud sponsor of the Go Forth and Golf podcast. Yeah, so the T-Series family of irons is the uh, T100, T150, T200, and T350. And with each one of those numbers, as you get a higher number, it's a more forgiving golf club aimed at a little different audience. Um, most of our tour players are either in Tour 100, T100, or T150. Uh, and But more and more of them are going to T, T150s and then using blended sets where they might have a T150 in the uh, mid and short irons. And then the four and five iron may be in a, a little more forgiving club like T200 or T350. The big change we made this year on all of them was uh, just reworking the, the soul grind on them. We got Bob Vokey more involved and some of the things he's learned with the wedge grinds, we've tried to incorporate in the uh, all of the irons. And then the other thing, particularly in the, uh, you know, as we go to these distance irons with the hollow back, uh, is getting the sound right. And it, it it's critical that we get the sound that a golfer, we all grew up with a certain sound and feel that we liked and getting that, getting that sound correct uh, can be a challenge when you start changing, you know, the chassis or the construction of the golf club. And I think we've done a great job this year where the T150, 200 and 350 all sound the same. Um, and I think I mentioned earlier, you know, blending of sets. We're seeing a lot of a lot of our fittings day in and day out. And then even on tour where guys are blending irons where they're using maybe a smaller uh, blade, like a club on their short irons and then going to more forgiving long irons um, just to maximize it out in that, you know, as a golfer, as we age, as our, depending on where our speed is in our game, there's a certain point of diminishing returns where, you know, for instance, a guy might hit his five iron and four iron the same distance. Well, that's because the four iron isn't getting up high enough. If we give him a game improvement, more of a forgiving four iron, all of a sudden he can hit his four iron higher and then have a nice gap. And so his four iron is, is let's say, 180, his five iron is 170, his six iron is 160, and, and maintain the integrity of the, uh, the set. Yeah, I love that. I don't think a lot of golfers think about that when they go to get a new set, that they can, they can be creative there, like you mentioned. I mean, go with uh, – a more forgiving iron there and your higher irons like the 350 like you're talking about go with the 200 series and in, in mid and maybe go one 150 in the low irons or like you mentioned go uh you know 100 low 300 high whatever the case may be. there's just so many different variations you can do there right and, and with the launch monitor there's no there's no it's very easy to identify where that point is of what we need to do to help a, a golfer you know improve what what part of their game is the weakest um, the other thing again uh, we're seeing a lot of is high lofted fairway woods you know five woods six woods seven woods even on tour you know players like Tiger Woods and Dustin Johnson and George uh, Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas they are all used a lot of them are, will use five irons and five woods and six woods and seven woods depending on the, the course makeup and it's all about getting that launch condition just right for the individual golfer yes yeah, funny uh i mean you, you know you kind of had the hybrids 
take replace the or take the place of the five wood, the seven wood, the nine wood, et cetera. And, and now we're kind of seeing those come back again. Uh, would you say that the hybrids are maybe going to make a, uh, you know, a little exit here because we're going to bring back the fairway woods again, or, or do you think the hybrids and the fairway woods could coexist there? Well, I think, I think it comes down to the individual because yeah. you'll hear, you'll hear a golfer say, Oh, I can't look at a high lofted fairway wood, or I don't like the looks. I've never been successful with hybrids. Um, and so it just depends on the golfer. I think there's room for them. Again, when we put them on the launch monitor, it, it's, it's like the MRI of, of the golf shot. Mm -hmm. It tells you exactly what you can do with that equipment. Uh, where, to your point, where the hybrid might be getting squeezed a little bit is we've improved the, um, the long irons in some of these uh, game improvement irons and we're also building the utility irons you know with the with the uh forgiveness so just depending if a, a guy or gal likes to what they like to look down at uh where they feel comfortable yeah. and and depending where they're playing you know uh, a tight short tight golf course some guys might want to have a driving iron like club um you go to another course with long par fours or par fives that you want you're trying to bring it in softer you maybe you put the five wood in the bag or the seven wood um yeah. And, and again, I think the reason we have all these tools now is because the, the track mans are telling us the differences. And I think a lot of tour players and, and golfers now are being revisiting the, the uh, fairway woods, the high lofted fairway woods, because they're the ultimate in forgiveness. You know, you have a deep back, big head um, where you can design a lot of forgiveness in there. And uh, so it's interesting. Again, you get on that launch monitor and you could, I could give you four different clubs that have say 21 degrees loft on them. And they're all going to, one would be a long iron. One would be a hybrid. One would be a, a, a utility iron. One would be a fairway wood and they would all launch different. And then they'd all launch different maybe for each individual golfer. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about the Cameron putters. You guys have made some, made some changes there, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, like we do, like we've talked like earlier about our two-year life cycles. This year, uh, we'll be changing the the mallet family, the phantom uh, mallet family. And what we're finding is, I think the numbers about sixty percent of the tour players now are using a mallet-like putter uh, versus you know the the traditional blade or Newport or Ping Answer type putter. And so this year in in uh, uh, in particular, we're introducing a new Phantom line. Um, the line has been around for a couple of uh, two generations. Uh, however, the improvements, a couple of major improvements. One, we went to a new finish, much richer, much uh, sleeker looking finish. A uh, little more, um, let's see, you know, a little more shine to it. Like I said, a little more of a jewelry piece versus an, an industrial block shape. Um, also, Scotty is. Uh, reworked the lines and alignment devices on all of the putters and, and made it so that when you look down on the putter, everything is telling you where to, where you want to aim your putter. Uh, and we offer some lot, some, one of the models has dots where you're supposed to hit the ball in the middle of the center, middle of the putter. Others have um, double lines. Some have a, a, a long single line. And again, mallets, just like we're talking about game improvement irons and game improvement drivers, the, the bigger we can make them and the more weight we can put out, heel and toe balance, you know, you're going to be more consistent on your putting. 
particularly on your on your mishit putts or on your long putts, so that you want to get that two and a half foot circle on a 30 foot putt. Uh, with the new models and the new technology, it's easier to do so. That combined with the alignment uh, alignment aids makes for makes for all of us to make more putts. Oh yeah, no doubt. And so the Phantom series, that's really the only changes you guys made was to that series. Right. We're we're going to keep the the uh the new port, or excuse me, the the Studio Stainless which were new last year will carry over. Same no changes there. You know, the new port and the new port 2 are still one of the best-selling models in the business. Uh we'll continue with those and then we have, you know, variations of that depending on uh, what type of what type of look a golfer likes? Whether he wants a, a plumbing neck, whether he wants offset, non-offset, and so on and so forth. Yeah, let's talk about that that product cycle. I love that you guys do it this way because essentially every year you guys are coming out with something new, just like any other manufacturer. But you give your your items to your cycles. For example, you guys come out with a TSR driver back in the. Uh, what was it? Was it uh, fall of 22? Is that right? Right, right. Yeah. So you come out with the T with the T series irons, the fall of 23, and now you're going to be coming out with a new driver in fall of 24. So every year you guys come out with something new, like I mentioned, but it's a two year product cycle. And I love that. Whereas everybody else is coming out with something new every year. And so the driver they got this year's pretty much obsolete next year. Explain how that works in terms of, we, we talked about the irons and the driver. What about golf balls? It work the same way with golf balls, same thing with wedges. We do. You know, I think uh, one of the things we found, I, th- I, I mean, honestly, early on, I think it was a matter of how much, how many resources you had to put towards, you know, having your R and D people working. Um, and, and that would go back a number of years where we, maybe we had a guy that we'd be combining, you know, irons and woods and, and wedges and so on. And now, and so you were kind of forced to say, okay, we got to work on the driver this year. And then next year, okay, we're going to work on the, 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 the wedges. Um, but now with the way the growth of our club business from say 10 years ago, we now have full departments, you know, specialists in every department. That being said, you they can, ded- they're dedicating their full-time attention to wedges. And Scotty Cameron's department, full-time to putters. We have a driver department. We have an iron department and different R&D people for each one of those categories. But the two-year life cycle, where it, where we think it comes about is, one, we don't want to confuse the marketplace. And we, we feel like if we take our time, do it right, we don't need to make a change that quickly. And we have two years to to make some changes and improvements that what we find after the club's been out there for a while so much you know and i think it's settled down a little bit in the industry but there for a while it was it was difficult a, a consumer would pick up a golf club in march and there the company would have a new you know driver in april or excuse me in, in in june and it really wasn't fair but from our standpoint like i mentioned earlier about the avx golf ball you got to give a give a product time to get the word out get the education out get some, some word of mouth out and um so we've been real fortunate to be able to the luxury to have two years um there's nobody no nobody sitting in a corner office telling us we need to we need to rush something out to make a number you know the tight titleist we've always taken a very long-term view and and uh quality first bring the product out when it's ready and if it's the right product for the marketplace um so it, it's been great and then to your point from from my standpoint as a salesman it's always great to have new products you know 
And so that, uh, like you said, this year, I'm talking a lot about the new putters, the new wedges and, and they, uh, and the new, we'll talk about drivers later on in the year. Um, so it's been a good formula for Titleist. Uh, but again, it, it takes some corporate patience because, you know, uh, sometimes you have some accountants and some people wanting you to rush things and, and, uh, we've just never done it. Yeah. Well, I admire you guys for that. You know, of course, Titleist has had a, a stronghold on the golf ball market and you guys have been able to boast that you're the number one golf ball on the tour you know, period really for years. Why do you think that is? I mean, you, you guys have had a lot of competition come your way, right, over the years. And, and a lot of people have made some strong headway in the golf ball market. But you guys continue to hang on. Why do you think that is? Yeah, uh, that's a great question because, as you know, Steve, uh, in the last 10 or 15 years, the quality of everybody's golf balls has gotten better. The quality of manufacturing has gotten better. Um, what I like to say is, the thing about that's different than Titleist and just about everybody there's, there may be one or one company out there that's doing what we do. And that is we can control every step of production in that we make our own cores. We formulate our own covers. We make all the processes, all the, um, the uh, milling machines, the, 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 um, the, I'll call them ovens for lack of a better term, the presses where we make the golf ball. All that's done in-house. And so we control every aspect of the product. And so we know where we control the quality. Um, and so sometimes the difference really in the marketplace is just the consistency of the product. And I think we've, we've convinced and we have the products that customers have come to trust and, and believe in it. Um, and certainly the tour you know, is important to us. And uh, we, do do, we do very well out there. But in a real world, real world, there's, there's contracts out there and there's bonuses and so on and so forth. What I like to look at is if you look at an NCAA count with amateurs, or if you look at a U.S. amateur or a U.S. junior, I think the U.S. junior ball count this year was uh, 98% Titleist golf balls. And these are people and kids and good golfers that are out there testing them and choosing to play the ball that they find works best for their game day in and day out. Um, what, and the other thing I like to say is if you take out a dozen Titleist and you cut them open and measured them and, and put them through a, a ring to see if they're round and so on and so forth, you're going to find 12 golf balls that virtually identical. And that's not always the case. Um, you know, a lot of manufacturers will contract out their cores and have them chipped in from, from, from overseas, uh, or their contract, you know, the, con the construction of the golf balls. Uh, and then other companies just buy golf balls from, far east uh, companies and, and and of course stamp them so uh, again i think the biggest thing is we all all of our golf balls are made in our own plants and we control every step of the operation one last question and i'll let you go julian got to get your feedback on the golf ball rollback rule what do you think about this what is titleist going to do to prepare for this do you know well you know i think uh i we we don't feel like there's a problem with distance. I've now I've I've yet to meet a golfer who said they hit it too far, exactly. uh, <laughs> or they shot too low a score. Uh, that being said, I, I I understand you know part of it you know uh, you know, and I can you see him playing St Andrews and some other golf courses and 
and the, the things that Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas and people are doing to these golf courses is different than what Jack Nicklaus, how he had to play the course. So as a traditionalist, I kind of get it. Uh, and so I don't think it's going to have a dramatic effect on any of us uh, right this minute. I think they're kind of drawing a line in the sand that they're going to measure the golf balls based on today's uh, or future golfers. Um, and it's easy to say, oh, the golf ball goes too far. But what we don't tell people is, or what they're not telling people is 25 years ago, people didn't use um, uh, video to measure, their, to perfect their golf swing. 20, 20 years ago, they didn't have all the knowledge they have about physiology and, and, and biomechanics. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, you look on the tour now, uh, I think in 1975, 1980, the average height was five foot 10 or 11, 175 pounds. And I think that number today is over six feet and probably pushing 195 to 210 pounds. Mm -hmm. And you got a lot of golfers as tall as you, Steve, you know, six foot four to, uh, uh, to you know, 225 pounds. And they are, they, they could be playing linebacker for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. Right. But they know how to play golf. And so all those things go into it. And so uh, we're not crazy about it. They, they've given us a couple of years to work on it. We still think there's some input to be put in. Um, but me as a golfer and as a, a, a guy who's been around a business for a long time, I, I, you can't just change one variable. And as soon as we change the golf ball, the, golf, the driver's going to change and it'll adapt to the golf ball. And I tell people kind of half jokingly, I said, look, We've got 72 guys that used to work for NASA-like companies and chemists in there designing golf balls for us. And then we got the same guys, same type of people designing drivers. And they're going to come up with a system that we're, I don't think any of us are going to lose any distance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it's going to be very significant at all with the amateur golfer. And I talked about this in the uh, first part of this podcast. I took I put out a questionnaire basically on social media asking everybody's thoughts on this. And, you know, I, I think you'll see it for sure with the touring professionals, um, you know, whether it's 10, whether it's 20 yards, whatever it may be. But, uh, yeah, I don't I don't think the amateur golfer is going to see a huge difference there at all. Right. Well, and the other thing, Steve, is a lot of people don't realize that I think it's since 1973 we've been a regulated business. I mean, the golf ball has been regulated with certain parameters. Now what's changed is the golfer more so. And so now there, we have to change the parameters to say uh, a nine degree wooden driver at a hundred, hundred miles an hour or 105 miles an hour is not tour like specifications. What it was so 40 years ago. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so uh, that, that it, it's a very complicated thing. There's so many variables um, but I think they are trying to draw a, a line in the sand uh, and, you know, and, and kind of protect the integrity of the golf courses. But we'll, we'll see. I, like I said, I, I have a lot of confidence in our, on our, our R&D people. <laughs> well, besides golf clubs, besides golf balls, besides putters, you guys have tremendous gear, golf bags, headwear, gloves, travel gear, all kinds of accessories. Encourage you to go on the website, Titleist.com. Go to the gear section of this. I think you can actually shop on there as well. We have the golf bags in our golf shop. Love them. I think it's a Lynx Legend series. Sweet golf bags. 
They're unbelievable. So many others on there. Highly recommend you go check it out. You guys make top-notch gear uh, to go along with top-notch golf equipment. So thank you so much, Julian, for your time today. Really appreciate it. Oh, Steve, I appreciate it. I always enjoy talking with you, and I look forward to seeing you soon in your golf shop. Yes, sir. Thanks, Julian. That concludes this episode. Thank you so very much for taking the time to push that play button. Thank you again to Julian for coming on the podcast. I hope listening to Julian tell the story about the Titleist brand will make you go out there and put more thought behind their products and services and that you'll go check out that website again at Titleist.com to learn more about the equipment that we talked about, the new irons, the drivers they came out with last year, those incredible SM10 wedges. And then learning more about their golf balls, which golf ball fits you the best. There's tools that you can go on there and use on the website that will help you identify which wedges, which irons, which golf ball is probably going to be best suited for you. As a reminder, the next episode is going to drop next week. So we got back-to-back weeks of the episodes to get caught back up. So March the 6th is going to be the next episode. Be on the lookout for that. If you've not subscribed to the podcast on whatever platform you're doing that on, please do so because you're going to get alerts when a new episode drops. And again, please go out there and follow me on social media, TikTok, Instagram, at GoForthGolf, X, at GoForthGolf, GoForthGolfInstruction on Facebook. I'm going to be posting more conversation topics on social media that I really want you to interact with, talk to one another, Leave comments. That's the whole purpose of this. Let's get you thinking about different topics of the game of golf and sharing your opinions about that. And again, I'll be coming on on the future episodes to talk about that and giving my insight and sharing whatever comment that you left on social media. So really do appreciate your interaction on there, growing this golfing community that we have formed together and making it entertaining for everybody. So really, really appreciate your help on that. If you feel I deserve it, go out there on whatever platform you're listening on. Give me that five-star rating. Give me the thumbs up. Give me a positive review. It just, again, helps me move up those charts so that when somebody searches a golf podcast to listen to, I pop up. So I really do appreciate your help on that. Until that next episode, keep hitting those drives long and straight. Keep hitting those greens in regulation. Keep draining those putts. Most of all, Get out there, have a good time. Don't lose sight of that, please. Don't forget to do something nice for somebody today. And remember, together, let's go forth to a better golf game. You've been listening to the Go Forth and Golf Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to receive alerts on new episodes. For more information, please follow us on social media at Go Forth Golf Instruction or visit our website at GoForthGolfInstruction.com. Remember, together, let's go forth to a better golf game.